episode number 219 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on October the 22nd, 2023. My name's Eric, the host of the show based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. And I'm Jeff. I am based in Central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. And I'm Brad in Eastern Ontario, part-time amateur prepper, constantly trying to get better. My name's Pierre. I'm a tactical beard owner, kind of good t-shirt and engraving kind of guy. Government critique and the reason we need to hit the explicit button most fucking nights. I'm the Frugal Gunny, recently moved to Northern Ontario, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off-grader, shooter, hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type, and a generalist, and I only recently came to accept that I'm a prepper. I'm Terry. I live in sunny central Ontario, and I'm a starving indie author, and I gotta admit, I'm a self-confessed pathetic gardener, so this episode is for me. Uh I'm Corey. I'm from CC Squared, uh, Back to Basics Gardening. I'm basically interested in everything that is old school uh, when it comes to seed saving, uh, horticulturalist, landscaping, all of that nature. Uh, bit of a prepper myself. I like to be prepared. Not having a plan is planning to fail. Hi, I'm Mel. Thank you for having me on this incredible podcast again. It's always a pleasure. I absolutely adore anything nature and the secrets she holds besides my green thumb, curious mind and the love for nature. I'm an avid hunter, hippie at heart, horticultural student, and someone that enjoys life's adventure with an open mind and the willingness to learn and share what I know. Awesome. Well, welcome yeah. both to the show. Absolutely. Thank you. And if you want to help to support the show, embrace consumerism, not communism, Pierre, consumerism, <laughs> and buy some spray. <laughs> We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled, and cover our podcast costs. Yay. They're not much, are they? They're uh, fan, if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and submit a review on iTunes or wherever you may have found us. We seriously want your feedback, good or bad. Even if it's just a topic you want us to cover or something you learned this week, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. So we've got some uh, dirty content for you in this episode. Not the kind you're thinking of. you got to find our OnlyFans for that. We're going to start off with some relevant news articles. Then we're going to touch up on our personal preps since the last episode. We're going to get into the main topic of uh, shutting down the garden. So let's uh, move into the news, shall we? Yeah, the, on, the only really thing I've got, um, protests are continuing to pop up with what's going on over uh, across the pond over there. Uh, just be uh, your situational awareness. Keep that amongst you. Uh, be aware of what's going on. In Toronto the other night, uh, one of the groups tried to uh, block the gardener. They breached the first line of the police, but were turned back at the on-ramp. Uh, so they almost made it onto the highway, and that would have been another disaster but um for people trying to get in and out of the city so again just be aware of your situational awareness and keep an eye to what's going on around you 
Yep, good point. I did throw up an article. I did throw up an article. It was basically, it's kind of what we're semi sort of talking about. It is plant related. It is how plants communicate with each other when in danger. And it basically just states like how plants will release a certain chemical compound that will let everybody know what's going on. And it even goes further into speaking about how trees kind of connect everything nature wise and communicate through them. And it's actually a pretty cool article if you'd like to read it. I don't know if you want to throw it in the chat notes or whatever. Just toss it in there. Sweet. I just found it quite interesting to read. Yeah, it sounds neat. Oh, it is pretty cool. cool. Well, let's uh, we move in the little... tree. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, Mel. I was just going to say we, we need to have a show about tree communication. That would actually be pretty cool. That would be neat. All right, let's move into what we've done lately for preps. Starting off with Brad. A uh, little bit of fuel rotation to make sure I've got some... Uh, Going through the old stuff, make sure I've got some good stuff for the uh, for the upcoming cold season, which is really sucks because it's Canada. Um, shed cleanup, clean out stuff, whatnot continues. Almost finished uh, closing down my camper, blew out all my uh, my, uh, my 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 blew that my water lines and emptied all the tanks today. Pulled in the pop out and uh, made sure everything was good, and I just organized some things on the inside and should be okay. And then work and work and work and that's my work and that was it. <laughs> yeah, staying busy. Jeff, I met up with the uh, local prepper group in the area this afternoon. Um, had uh, as usual some good conversation. Talked about a bunch of different things. Um, one of them being generators, which is kind of near and dear to my heart. So I kind of gave them some ideas and ways to um, get their generators power into their house without having to open windows and doors and run tons of extension cords so we'll we'll see what how things go um i did fuel rotation as well and speaking of generators i did my monthly generator test on my two generators and everything appears to be working fine knock on wood <laughs> awesome opposite to my week <laughs> uh, so busy uh busy week for me i was away from home teaching uh, some nerd stuff but uh, that allowed me the opportunity to meet up with uh, Gunny, Pierre, Mel, and Brad. So that was fun. Uh, beyond that, uh, while I was away, our fridge decided to kick the bucket and turn into one big giant freezer. So that was fun. Um, but was able to get home and trace back where that, where, what went wrong anyways on the main board and resolder a couple of points. And well, so, lo and behold, it actually works again. So pretty happy with that. Hey, and, hey, uh, right this, as soon as uh, as soon as it got that fixed, the uh, the dryer decided to uh, zap itself. So yes, again, because um, the stupid thing just likes to keep breaking. So I had to tear it apart and rewire a few things. But um, so far, knock on wood, it's working again. But if my background turns from the antennas here to a bunch of smoke later on, I obviously did something wrong, and I'll have to go. But for now, <laughs> it works. So. We're pulling for you. <laughs> Our extinguisher at the ready. Fire extinguisher <laughs> ready. You got it. I've got a couple along the way too, so I'll be ready. There you go. Uh, um, so I had the pleasure of uh, meeting up with Eric. Finally, I was included in the chat of hanging out this time when he was around my area. Um, <laughs> so we met up for supper. Um, got some more packing done. <clears throat> Kept finding more stuff that I forgot we had. 
so that's going in a more important box to sort through when we get there. Um, getting ready for the house, so we're making some shopping lists. We did some big boy purchases. We're officially adults this week and all that, so just getting ready for the big move because uh, that's welcome, happening. Welcome to the club. Yeah, that's happening real soon. So just uh, getting on the way of uh, planning for the renos and trying to get all their stuff there and least amount of trips and less amount of headaches. So we'll see how that goes. You want a fridge and a dryer? <laughs> you see what he did? You see what he did? <laughs> Does it come with the fire? I'm your wings. <laughs> he was also down when we went and got the washer and dryer. It's yeah, true. We, we just bought them, so we're good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we went, we bought, and then went to meet up with Eric and Brad. Yes. Yeah. I'll just change the shipping address for what you bought later on in the system. It's fine. <laughs> it's scary because oh, you I probably mean, can. <laughs> it was new. It was good while it lasted. There you go. Oh, yes. Okay, I'll follow my husband. Uh, like he said, packing, packing, oh. packing, oh. and. Yeah, so packing, 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 and then I've also, during the packing process, I started to notice that we have an abundance of stuff that we thought we cleared out from, like, our transitioning from, like, quote-unquote, old lifestyle to, like, what our new lifestyle is. So I know when we moved in, move, go move into our house that we just purchased, I know that we have a lot to rid of and clear out so we can let the new roll in. Other than that, it's been school for me. Very nice. Excellent. Well, on my end, I met up with Eric. Um, got to see some of my shopping habits. So <laughs> I picked up a, a portable 200-watt solar panel. I just couldn't resist it at Costco. So it was just the kind of thing to match up with my uh, battery pack that's coming up. And uh, I couldn't resist the long underwear deal. So I'll be testing that out in the next few weeks. I don't know which, which one testing. you were more excited about. <laughs> I'm still not sure either which one I'm most excited about. I'll, I'll let you know once I try them out. How's that? Fair enough. He's, Just try them at hoping, the same time. He's hoping yeah. the first time he has to use it, he's standing outside in those long underwear in the sun <laughs> watching a charge. Like that, you know, the perfect trivecta of joyness coming from oh, the If I can combine it into a video, we might have a winner there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Will that be on your OnlyFans or your YouTube? There we go. I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to wait and find out. That's right. I guess you have to subscribe. Uh, I was basically just uh, splitting wood, getting wood ready for the fireplace because you never know when the actual cold weather is going to hit. I mean, minus 30 sucks. Uh, and also building, like I said, new, new cages for, uh, for my chickens, uh, some for my quail. Uh, just to make sure that I have at least eggs and some uh, some produce, and I'm not I'm not fighting Mother Nature when it comes to uh, foxes, coyotes, hawks, things of that nature. I can actually control that, and that's what I've been doing. Nice, brilliant. Hey Terry. Okay, yours truly. Well, he's been uh, doing more food preps. I got to say, the events of the last few weeks have been uh, a bit of a motivator for just doubling down on everything, just in case. Yes, Better sir. to have a not need than need not have, right? You got it. And Absolutely. I uh, see what else have I done here. Oh, I topped up my reloading supplies as well, and I did a little more target practice and some a uh, little bit of reloading this week. I've 
getting getting some of the rust off because I haven't done any in a while. So had to get nice. back into the groove again. It's Very probably because nice. you weren't able to find supplies. Uh, no, I've I've got inventory, my friend. <laughs> I've got inventory. <laughs> I was just topping off a few things just because they were still available. And I thought, ah, oh, what the hell? Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I got to work. I could probably invade a small small country and get away with it here. But allegedly, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Well, of course, of course. Yes, yes, right. Nice. Awesome. All right, I think we got everybody in that round. Perfect. Let's move into the main topic, shall we? So this evening, like I said, we're talking about gardening, zipping up the garden, because uh, old man winter is a coming. So uh, we figured we'd bring a couple of folks on that uh, say they know what uh, what to do and how to do it. So I'll turn it over to uh, Corey and Mel and let you guys uh, nerd out about zipping up the garden and all the fun gardening stuff. Well, I was halfway there okay. when she started talking about the, the, the communication of the plants. Uh, that's why I, I love having a conversation with uh, vegetarians who say they don't kill anything. And I ask them to uh, politely think next time they pull a carrot out of the ground, that, uh, that ripping sound, right? <laughs> that is the sound of the plant wanting to not die. It's still a living you know, thing. It breathes, it communicates it. with everything. Oh, yeah, it's, it, that, that smell is the smell of death. It's, it's literally the smell of death, and we love that smell. You can walk, drive by, mm-hmm. and oh, fresh cut grass, I love it. Uh, that's the, literally the, the, the grass is sending out a chemical saying, I'm dying, please help me. <laughs> I am not opening the feedback email for at least a week now. <laughs> I really like him. Can we oh, him? Sorry, no, it's, uh, moral, of, moral of the story, everything dies. If you want to survive, something has to die. It's true. And there's no yep. arguments about it one way or the other. If you want to survive as a human being, something else has to die. One way or the other, however you want to justify it is by you, but one way or another, something has to die. Well, great show, guys. That was fantastic. This is why I don't go out. I stay in my I, I don't go anywhere. I stay here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I, I, honestly, it's a good point, though, right? Nobody ever really considers that, but any anything that's living kill something else to to survive right it's, yep. it's the way it is regardless right. of how you look at it and that goes down to the microbial level like something's always eating something absolutely 100 yeah. yeah. percent. yeah well, that's a yeah. good point but, so what's some advice you guys would have for because everybody's kind of getting ready to shut their gardens down now for the winter and put them to bed yep. and get ready for next season so what what are some things that you guys would suggest or, or good steps for people to take that uh, that are starting that process now and honestly, right now, no, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, honestly, it depends on how you want to do Like for me, I kind of, I quote unquote, do a lazy gardening. Like I tend to like to leave my plants in the soil, depending on what they are. So that when I come back during the spring, I just till everything into the soil so that it helps build all that, all that nice nutrients back into the soil brings all that, you know, the, the, the what is it here? I'm losing my thoughts here. Like the... <laughs> From like all the gas reactions to the nutrients to the vitamins, the minerals, all that stuff. You want to implement that, especially with this type of soil that we have here at the rental and what we've gone through with the last people that lived here. We that's why I keep putting in that organic matter back into the soil because it becomes better for the plants. 
in, in the long run. So that's honestly uh, my my start to the winter. Honestly, is collect my seeds that I can, and I just let it go. But there is other processes where you can rip everything out if you want. I have some for people that will lay cardboard on top, especially if they wanting to expand, which we'll get into that a little bit later. You know, expand their garden and stuff like that. However, I'm not a big fan of, of using cardboard for the fact that if you're not careful what kind of cardboard you're using, you're actually putting in chemical compounds that you don't want that will actually cause more problems in the future if you keep piling that up because your soil will obtain that toxin and then going back to having plants talk to each other it will be sent to your community plants because everything is basically connected like a like an internet network you know you got your hub and then you got all your little other terminals and you know so type is of thing. cardboard the best cardboard to put in the garden as long as Not it doesn't scream when you rip it out. <laughs> so oh, something else that people don't really utilize much is is leaves. I I drive by many houses mm -hmm. and uh, and they bag up their leaves on the front and and they put them away for just a waste collection. I scratch my head um, because the leaves that you're raking up and you're bringing to the the compost pile to get rid of that is the best organic matter you could be adding back onto your soil. So what, like, all you have to do is take a lawnmower and mulch it and just, just drive over it again and again and again. And that is going to sit on top of your grass as long as it's on big clumps, right? You can rake it in and that is going to call all the, the nice little like, uh, the earthworms and the little bits that are going to come in and they're going to fertilize and they're going to add organic uh, nutrients back to your soil. Uh, so it's something as simple as just mow your lawn, right? If you don't want to rake, mow. Uh, and then you're you're one step ahead when it comes to spring. I thought almost as fast. Yeah, and even, even honestly, leaving those Oh. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just gonna say actually that was my question was uh it was more for the garden, not the grass, but was leaves. Do you leave oh. them on the garden or do you 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 can you can rake them up and put them in the garden. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Even your grass clippings. Like the, the, the leaf, leaf mold is by far your best friend that's not utilized at all by many gardeners. They sort of just forget mm -hmm. about them because it's just their leaves uh, and they sort of go to the wayside. If you can actually mow them and rake them and you have a nice, uh, almost like confetti, yep. right? And you lay that on your garden, it's going to break down in a matter of, of weeks, days, months, especially in the, in the, if we get a nice hot spring, all that's just going to turn to lush blackness like black gold, and uh, you can add that, and you're off, you're off to the races. It, it has a great um, moisture absorbent. It's, it's almost like peat moss, right? So you're adding yeah. a lot of that. More that like mulch. Yes, you're adding that back in, into the soil. It's fantastic. Oh, good to know. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, is that the same yeah. for all types of leaves? Is there a certain leaf to, to avoid that with? If, well, I mean, you try not to... Uh, Chestnut, chestnut and, and black walnut, yeah. I definitely would recommend not to because they are very acidic and that will screw up your soil. But there's something that they're usually out on their own anyway. So to, to get those, uh, I'm talking about things like a lot of people that have it in their, on their property are like maple, uh, oak, tree, oak leaves and things of that nature, poplar. Uh, if you can just mow all those, especially oak leaves, because they have a waxy film on them, if you look at them. So they take a lot longer to break down. So if you can actually yeah. mulch them up and mulch them well, you're you're way ahead of the game. That's you can also leave a right. portion of Perfect. your. 
Yeah, you can also leave a portion portion of your garden with just full leaves. You may not get the same nutrient effect. However, it will help the, the good garden pest and the bad garden pest in the garden as well. Because all you need all those guys to kind of work in unison to, you know, in the spring and all that stuff to start help breaking it all down and pulling up that process as well. No, also works as a good ground cover. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good weed barrier too uh, to keep moisture mm -hmm. in. If you're going to, if you're going to layer it like that, absolutely it would work. And it's, it's sometimes it's a little bit better than mulch too, because depending on what wood you're using, just like I said earlier, you could add more problematic uh, things into your soil than actually adding the good stuff into your soil. So you really got to pay attention. And a lot of the times too, um, they dye it to get all those fancy dancy colors. And do you think, where do you think the dye would do to your ground? Probably not good. You got to be big. No. Yeah, it, and it doesn't take much just to get natural wood. I mean, you can find uh, lots of places. Uh, there's usually tree uh, tree trimming companies. If you find them on the side of the road, for example, uh, and you ask them, like, where are you taking that, that load of wood, wood chips? And they'll tell you. And then you can say, well, how about I give you 50 bucks and you come to my house? Yeah. Right? Because it's, it's easier for them instead of getting rid of it. They're actually making money. They're dropping off. They can get back to work and you have your wood chips. So it's always nice, just and it's starting a conversation. <laughs> I mean, really. You're, uh, I got a great question here that I think Darius has also. I'm sure other people have, and, and I've seen the Amish dealing with their soil, but they don't talk much about what their practices are. Um, what if you have a lot of clay? Um, my area has got a ton of clay, and it's got a really high water table, and I, I just would love to know what your tips are uh, for that. See, um, adding amendments to soil you're going to need a lot of it and it's going to take time especially if you have cl like clayey soil um you're just going to need to add a bunch of organic matter so composted material uh manure like composted manure things of that nature if you can't right if it's impossible for you to do the only solution you have is build up yeah so but if, the you, if, thing you, if you can't grow down whoops sorry go so, ahead no i was gonna say and also what you gotta remember the thing is clay is basically like a compacted soil, right? Like if you, no. if you're, you know, if you have a high traffic area at your normal house versus your cabin, right? And that area is constantly driven on and walked on and all that stuff. You're slowly actually compacting the soil, which is making it very hard to get the water to actually go in, into it as well. So with clay, you kind of play that same route about too. So like Corey was saying, once you build up, if you can't add in, um, it, it's the best way because now you're going to reestablish your own ecosystem starting in that one point. And especially if you can attach a tree to that one starting of that little ecosystem, it would be awesome. Because like I said earlier, it's almost like putting your own hub to start your own network from there on. But if you do have clay, because funny enough, this is actually what we just finished learning in, in the arboriculture course I'm taking. Um, you can add things like rock and, and sand and all that stuff to it, but you also have to be careful because if you add too much sand, now you're going to end up with the same compression issue that you have with the clay already. Rocks, you got to be careful where you're getting the rocks because you don't want to add minerals and nutrients <laughs> that are going to be detrimental instead of helpful to you. But the, the rocks will give you the rocks will kind of give you that air to water ratio that you need because you got what people don't remember is yeah you're watering your plants but you also have to allow the oxygen to come in because there is a whole gas type of sciency thing that happens too right like it's almost like <coughs> driving a car with you know you got to have that ratio to allow your plants to get what they need 
oh, we, we could easily spin off into oh, yes. topics with this. But yeah, uh, in so, terms of timing of those amendments, are besides the leaves, because I, I thought that was a great tip because we all have deciduous trees somewhere on most of our properties. Yep. Um, but which of those amendments would you say are like really key to consider at this time of the year when we're closing up? See, this time of year, it's almost fantastic because the plants themselves, uh, when like, say like, uh, we'll just use um, hostas, right? They're just a, a plant that everyone has. It's just in the garden. You don't necessarily need to clean up hostas because uh, the leaves that are actually decaying and decomposing are adding all that nutrients back into the soil right where the plant is, right where the roots are. Oh. So even those stalks now, those stalks, um, you can cut them because a lot of people don't like the flowers of hostas. They just like the green foliage, which is fine, personal preference. But those stalks, I find they look really fantastic come, come Halloween, especially if you put a light on them and things. It's almost like they're moving in the wind and it's this whimsical little uh, twisted uh scene but uh that's be that's anyway personal preference <laughs> I love it. uh but even all those stalks that you can go in in the springtime and usually chop those down you don't have to necessarily take them all down now but as for the amendments in the soil the leaves themselves are actually going to add a bunch of that nutrients back into the soil right at the right at the the base of the plant right so you can clean it up next year especially in, in the spring you'd probably want to move some stuff out of the way that stuff that uh you know didn't actually rot all the way and if you need to tidy up a bit tidy up a bit but it's not necessary nature knows what it's doing it's been doing it way longer than we have we sort of just uh, in... oh go ahead. sorry go ahead finish yourself Corey. well it no it's it basically sometimes less is more right Yes. Uh, but in, in your situation where uh, you're sort of in a pickle where you want to grow things, but your soil is not allowing it, what can you do? A good solution, especially if you're in the woods or you have access to a lot of hardwood, uh, wood in general, uh, is you can build almost like a, a hugel culture type raised bed. Okay, and that's where you have hardwood on the bottom, and then you have some mulched uh, le like leaves and things of that nature, small twigs, uh, and then a lot of soil, a lot of good organic matter, soil, uh, right on top of that. Now, what's going to happen is that's going to start to decompose from the inside. It's going to start to compost, and it's going to create a lot of heat. Now, as you plant in those hillsides, okay, of your hugel culture, uh, Everything's going to be going to where the heat is. So you're going to try or the roots are going to try to get it down as deep as they can. It's going to give you a bumper crop. All right. But and it, as it as it rots, it's actually getting better and better and better for you. So it's something that you might want to look into. Okay. And especially, Claude, if you notice that if you start getting mushrooms, that is a really good sign that you're yep. on the right path for really good soil. Good tip. I see all kinds of people trying to get rid of their mushrooms. No. If anything, work them back into the soil. Yeah, but the guy mushrooms, on the not, is a is kind of Yeah, mushroom. that guy. <laughs> but the thing what people don't realize with mushrooms is, is that they're actually kind of like the connecting point, right? The tree will send the information from whatever plant it gathered, but the mushroom is what's actually connecting that connection to the tree to send the information. And it exchanges, the mushroom will actually exchange with the tree for certain nutrients and values and continue to send that on. So like they are a really big part of it because it's actually the mycelium that connects the connections. And the mushroom is actually their, 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 or like their uh, reproductive system that you're actually seeing. 
So this is bringing up a massive thought about about, uh, all this black soil that you're buying and that's all fully sterilized. What are your thoughts on fully sterilized soil? What's the deal? Well, basically, I mean, it it all really depends. I mean, if you're, if you're getting soil that's been sort of put through the the pasteurizer and it's, uh, it's just been burnt, right? You're getting a lot of just topsoil. There's not much nutrients in it. I mean, it's, it's basically all just uh, just been depleted because it's been burnt, right? There's no nothing living anymore. And that's the whole point of soil. Soil is a living thing, right? There has to be all these little bacteria and all these little, uh, little bits and all these little imperfections, and that's going to make it thrive. As soon as you burn it all, you have to add more amendments now, which are easy to do. You can do it after the fact, right? But uh, if you want to get screen stuff, that's going to help you. But you, there's always going to be weeds no matter what you do uh, you can't help it it's blowing in the wind there's always going to be weeds and weeds want to grow so even if you think that you're doing everything you can with your soil uh, and you've done everything to make sure that there's not a, a speck of seed in there two weeks later nature will prove you wrong so don't feel bad 100 percent. okay okay however so- there is other ways go ahead all right. So just just going along with, for example, the example you gave uh, frugal to say, like, build yourself a box, put all that soil. So knowing the community around him would um, say a cleaned out stall, some dirty hay and some horse manure. Oh, yeah. Be, be, be good <laughs> as like that base that you're looking for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Before we go oh, off, like, yeah. so we're we're talking manures. Um, what, oh yeah, talk what, dirty. What what's what's your top? <laughs> next, we got you the Kool Aid man coming through the wall. Yeah, here. like we, you you've got your top three picks, right? You you've got a clean slate. You can get a thousand tons of it at your house and change your whole backyard into a garden. What are your three top picks, and what are the two three things that are at the bottom of your list? You know, just for uh, maybe a small explanation on which one, you know, what, what puts into the ground, what, and what's, you know, not good to use or takes time that you don't, if you're using this type of manure, you might have to wait a year or two for those things to break down better. You know what I mean? Exactly. Now, pound for pound, uh, I know this is going to sound really weird, but rabbit manure, pound for pound is the best manure you're going to get. Okay, so oh, please and, tell them about your tea. Please tell them about your tea. Oh, I have to because honestly, there uh, rabbits were part of the the World War One survival garden for a reason. All right, they reproduce. They give you enough uh, added protein to your your diet, so you don't need to worry about much of anything as long as your garden is successful. Uh, I love a good carrot, and that's that's sort of a little symbiosis between me and the rabbit. But the the funny thing about the rabbit is it, it, it's working for you. Okay, so while you're weeding your garden, all of those weeds are going into a bucket, which are then going to feed my rabbit. And my rabbit's going to turn all the weeds that I pulled out of my garden into a a fantastic little pellet of nutrients uh, that you could literally catch with your hand and throw on the plant. There's no waiting. There's there's none none of this uh, having to with, for example, uh, cow, uh, horse, pig, chicken. All of these need time to actually burn off because they're really high in nitrogen. They're called a hot manure, and they can actually burn your plants. Cold manure, well, catch, right? So, and they can so, catch on fire. 
it's hot it's really when you put your hands near it it's hot right um but then there's also your cold manure such as like your goats your rabbits uh those are literally you can you can catch and throw sheep all the same um there's also green manure such as buckwheat and, and things that you can basically just grow and then till into the ground all of which are fantastic but as for the manure that i prefer rabbit okay uh, after that it would probably be horse or or cow just because they have it in such abundance i mean it, it's everywhere you can you can go to any farmer uh say a horse farmer and you can ask them for manure now every time i've gone to ask for manure they usually have they help me with the buckets because they have too much of it anyway right <laughs> there's only so much you can do with what they have so they usually are very generous with what they're giving away because it's just it's it's going to happen again tomorrow right <laughs> so they have no yeah, problems they, yeah I have a question for you. Since I yeah. know that rabbit actually sh poops twice, they have one poop that they actually push through their body, which they'll actually re-ingest. Then they have their normal fecal process, their normal shed. Now, do you use both or do you try and pan out just the first run through that they usually ingest or it doesn't matter? Ground don't care. Because okay. all, all, all that that is, is it's just, it's a little bit of nutrients that hasn't been absorbed into the body yet. So that yeah. that's that's the, the two stage system is is a basically it's like a, a cow chewing its cut, right? You're trying to get every last little bit of nutrients out of that stuff before it goes through your intestine and gets out of you, right? Uh, except it's on a more compact scale because it comes out in little cocoa puff forms, right? So they're trying yes, to get as much as much of that out by squeezing it. Uh, actually, same process as drafts, if you can believe it. Uh, anyway, I'm getting off topic. Uh, <laughs> So, but it's, it's, uh, and a, a really great way, again, if, uh, I, yeah, let's go back to the tea as well, because this is something you can add to your soil now, um, but preferably in the spring, right? So this is shutting down the garden, right? So you might want to add uh, a little bit of nutrients and things and you're running out of time, make a compost tea, just make a tea. A tea is easy. All you got to do is have a pillowcase, right? You get some manure, a couple shovelfuls, you toss it into the pillowcase, you stick that in the water, you let it sit there for about two weeks. All right. It's going to make a nice little blend of tea. It's going to be a nice, nice mixture. There will be an aroma. All right. Okay. But then you take the pillowcase out of the water, you dump that into your compost pile. And now what you have made yourself is a fantastic homemade brew of plant food. Hmm. 100%. All right. So as you're watering the plants now, you're giving them a nice little shot, right? Right. I mean, that's why you try to do it in the spring because you don't want them growing right now. All their energy is going back into storing. They don't. Uh, they don't really want to work too hard. They want to store as much energy as they can because their season's done. Especially but when you that got was, something that, was that, the, that was the tea that Melissa was talking about. Okay. Yeah, and especially the fact that with Corey's, he's touching on right because you got to remember some plants are their bulbs and and. Uh, all that stuff so when they're starting to go into the winter process like he said he's they're pulling all that energy back into those bulbs so that they can be reused for next year as long as they're not past their biannual or whatever term that they run on so if i understand right by by kicking the water in there what you're doing is you're basically starting like a mini swamp where it's really coming alive and that just feeds the next growth cycles of anything that 
gets into that or it comes in contact with is that right and that's a big reason why you, you wouldn't really want to be doing that now i mean if, if your plant was struggling right and you kind of wanted to give it a little bit of a you know a shot just maybe to add a little bit of vigor to it right and like you'd probably want to go with like a, a high phosphorus fertilizer but that's that's it's something that you wouldn't be doing with a compost tea that's something very direct right yeah. um but if you're adding if you're adding just a to the plant's general health you'd sure water it but i would try to hold off if you need to protect it from the elements this year uh if you if you have a tree that's looking a little bit sick or might not make it through the winter uh, a simple a-frame with a with a couple things of burlap just wrap it around as long as it's protected from those huge freezing cold gusts of winds that we get that just cut through anything that's in its way uh that'll help the plant actually make it then in the spring as soon as you see buds form hit it with some food give it some life give it some love um and that'll actually kickstart the process for the plant and you'll you'll be thanking it later on yes because trees do go through second secondary growth they have their primary and secondary growth and also to touch on what corey said too when you're preparing your plants for winter especially the trees you got to keep in mind that if you're going to do any type of attachment around or around the tree trunk or anything like that, you want to be very careful because anything that you do to that outside of that bark, especially during the earlier stages, can actually hinder the plant. You can actually weaken your trunk by putting up, um, uh, geez, my words skipping me, stables or not stables, but uh, my lord. Like nails or something. Yeah. To like, yeah. To help keep the tree stable is what I'm getting at, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You want to be careful because you don't want to damage your plant. You don't want to create any weak spots in your tree or your bush or your, you know what I mean? Because your whole point of this is not only to help this living creature grow and blossom and make your yard look pretty, you know, but you don't want to hinder that. You don't want to have like a couple years down the road, you created a weak spot because you're uh -huh. helping keeping the tree stable and now it's falling on your, on your roof. So you're talking about anything that makes contact with uh, the bark and would create friction or binding around that that external skin, for lack of yeah, a better word. Yeah, you see, yeah. a lot of the common stable that you will see someone put up is is usually like either or it's anywhere from one to four different um, spikes put into the ground. They'll use chain, and then believe it or not, you can cut up a piece of hose and put it around the chain uh, the, the chain, and then put that around the tree and it should help with not scarring it or wearing the bark. However, it will rub and it will create all that. So you gotta kind of find a compromise where you wanna also let your, your tree be able to blow around and do everything. Cause what is, you know, plants use that to grow their stock, their strength. They, they use that for the root system to become more stable in the ground itself. And that's the whole point of all that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I like, okay. uh, yeah, so far this is some pretty good stuff as far as uh, getting getting things kind of shut down, ready to go again in the spring. Uh, I, yeah, it's fantastic information. Uh, let's back it up a touch. And I know that it's important to know like your growing area or your growing zone, I believe it's referenced to as. Is there a quick and easy way yes. to look up kind of what zone you are located in? I know we have listeners from all over the place. Honestly, you can Google it. Like, I know Ontario is, like, where we are, we're 5B. 
So you okay. can also just Google what zone is and put in your town name or whatever. You'll they'll pull up maps. I think Ontario, the Ontario government actually has um, a dedicated spot on their good old platform to show you all that stuff. So you just have to click down or scroll through all the township or whatever names, but it will tell you what that is. And you're right, Eric, that is very key because you don't want to plant something that belongs in, you know, um, two and you're five, right? So, cause you're not going to have, um, you're not gonna have a good successful grow. And is that, okay, so if you look up the zone, does that kind of spell out for you in that look up what you can grow or do you have to expand out after finding your zone? Is there somewhere else to look as to what can grow in that zone? It's both, right? Because when you usually go to a nursery or somewhere that sells plants, most of the time they will have your little tag or those little um, toothpick looking things there, the little tabs that are in the soil. And when you flip those back, it will tell you your zone. Plus it also tell you what kind of sun it needs. Um, sometimes it adds the type of fertilizer and few other requirements it may need. However, again, a good Google search will be awesome to find what you need. The biggest thing I do suggest though, is um, making sure you reference your reference on your reference, because you can have one site that says one thing, and then you can have another site that says another thing. And you just want to make sure that you have at least a one or uh, two to four sites that say the same same information. Because even what I found with school, I have one reference book that states one thing, but that you pull out another one and it kind of contradicts itself, right? Because someone else's opinion is a little bit different or their experience is a bit different. Are you yeah, suggesting that people cool. disagree on the internet? Yeah, but but yes. I found the information from the internet, so it has to be true. It has to be right. Yeah. But, yeah. but now I have questions about fact checkers. <laughs> that's monday night monday night that's a different show i think yes, <laughs> yes we're not going on that side and, and besides any like soil preparation that you're going to want to do you we want to go back to the basics too right the tools you use the buckets you you use to grow in you want to make sure that those are really good like really nice and clean obviously dry because we're like if you're like us you're hitting the cold winter season so you don't want anything freezing and cracking because some of those containers are not cheap um, uh, I really wouldn't worry about sanitizing. I mean, I do when I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I kind of sanitize when I put it away and then I'll re-sanitize again when I start up in the spring. But it just, it ensures that you're not, you know, carrying any issues from your plants before into something else or, you know, no infestation or whatever, especially if you're like me, where the, play the rental I live in, for some reason, the house has mites. So no matter what I grow, it will get mites unless it's a tropical plant. Interesting. So, uh, fact, yeah. And what do you do to sanitize? Uh, you beat me to it, frugal. <laughs> My favorite thing, honestly, is just simple hydrogen peroxide and a good soap and water. And all I really? do is I will honestly take take like the Dawn dish soap and water and I'll scrub it. And you know, you can even use antibacterial if you really want to, cause then it really would hit that bacterial side. Cause plants do get bacterial issues that happen. You clean all that out, you do what you gotta do. And then you just spray some uh, hydrogen peroxide in water and you just kind of let it dry. Just, just oh, let it dry. Everything Easy. is perishable from the dollar store. Even better. <laughs> peroxide is one of those things. Anybody who is, even thinking of being a prepper should already have on hand just for the first aid value and the yeah. household usage value, let alone now gardening. That's 
fantastic news. <laughs> and not that I'm recommending it to anybody to follow what I do, but there is municipal part properties to hydrogen peroxide. Do your research. It's very complicated to light, though. <laughs> so I have a go down the rabbit hole maybe question. Oh, there um, we go. Yeah, somebody has somebody has to do it. Um, you're you're setting down your garden, so you're going to put compost or leaves or anything like that. Um, and I know there's emotions on both sides because I got involved in a conversation and it went bad. Um, so the question is. Do you till it in or no-till? Till or no-till? Ooh. <laughs> I'm really not Don't checking the email for at least wrong. a week now. <laughs> <laughs> because I live in a small town and my internet sucks, are you asking what is better? Kind of like Pepsi versus Coke type thing? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> Honestly, that's actually where it lies. See, during the winter, I tend to, I, I tend to just honestly, I don't even mulch because we're not cool like that. And I mean, our landlord cuts our grass, and after a while, he gives up. So I honestly just rake my whole leaves or whatever grass cuttings are left right into the back garden because that's the soil I was working on before we bought a house. We would rake it up there, and then in the next, uh, in the spring, I would either ask my friend to see if we can borrow his tiller. Or I would just pick up a good old trusty pitchfork, fork, rake, whatever I have and kind of circle it back in. Because to me, when you're getting that rainy season and Corey's trying to come back on, so he might have something else different to say if he, if he hears this. But to me, when you get that rainy season, it kind of helps break all that down because you have all the, the moisture and the wetness from all that melting snow and all this rain is going, the bugs are starting to come up and everything's kind of starting to wake up from the winter slumber. So they're getting to work, they're hungry. So I figure you're gonna work a little bit a little bit harder to get what you need. Now, however, I'm starting to be corrected because I have not taken soil and pest control, but that is what I've done. And honestly, I've known a great success in, in doing that. And like, I do grow cannabis for my medical purposes. So I do have to watch what I do to my soil because I am ultimately ingesting it. So this is, this, this is one of the things that I wanted to experiment in. And I did notice that I don't fight with mildew or I don't fight so much with pests and um, other infestation issues where other, where cannabis can get versus where I see my friends that are growing and they're using the horrible miracle Grow, sorry, miracle Grow, but not, <laughs> um, product and, you know, all this other stuff. So. Oh, interesting. But you got to be careful, right? Because like Corey said earlier, you don't want to overdo it with your soil because now you're going to fight the opposite. You don't want to turn your soil in, unless, because it depends on what you grow, right? Because blueberries, you want your soil to be acidic because they love that stuff. They love their soil acidic. They like to have it spicy like it. But yet, if you're going to plant something uh, like cannabis, it doesn't like an acidic soil. It likes more of a neutral type of palate, right? It, it likes everything kind of balanced and equal. With some so it, it, it depends on the soil, on, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> someone had someone had to go there. So you know what the best thing that I like I can recommend, Jeff, is honestly do a portion of your garden, till it in, plant your stuff. Do another portion or a different garden bed and don't uh just keep everything like, don't do it. You know what I mean? And then see how everything grows from that because because your region is different than mine or your growing techniques might be different than I than mine are. You may have a go at it where the, the no-till stuff until spring works a lot better or the till at winter works better for you. 
that's all we do. Honestly, we're secret kind of crazy scientists that just keep experimenting left, right, and center. Ask Pierre. I collect seeds everywhere I go, and I try and make them grow in the house. Yeah. So, like, I, and and if you're gonna do that test where you're gonna do like, I'm gonna till half my garden and not the other half, you do kind of need to put same thing. So if you're gonna grow tomatoes, put two plants in the one you tilled and two in the other one. Don't do two complete different crops because then you're not gonna have a base ratio. Um, so say you're going to test it with your peppers and your tomatoes on the part you tilled and, you know, do whatever else. You got to put uh, two plants of peppers and two plants of tomatoes in the part you tilled and the part you're not tilling, put two of each and do the exact same, right? You keep the same watering, um, your same peroxide, all, all the stuff to keep the bugs away and all that stuff and see which one yields better, which one tastes better. And then, you know, and then if you want, try it with other stuff. Like for all you know, your peppers will be better. And the stuff you tilled and the tomatoes will be better than the stuff you didn't till. So now you know where your hard line is in your garden, where you're going to till and grow these four things. And where you don't till, you're going to grow these four things and you're going to yield more juicier, better, full, you know, all those things. Like every plant grows differently. I like it. All right. We've got I've a question. Seen the or, yeah. The question in the live chat. You're oh, going to Dave? Is, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Um, I haven't had the, the, the chance to actually touch on winter wheat at all. However, I don't see how it would hinder anything because wheat, to what I know, and I'm saying to be corrected, um, is not acidic. But what it could help with is also erosion. Because you got to remember, like, besides trees and plants, that actually is another is, is an actual benefit, is that you don't want to have erosion happen with your soil or your ground as well. So again, I, I hate the fact that I can't 100% answer because I, like I said, I have not dealt personally with winter wheat. I'm still green and a newbie, but I mean, what do experiment. You mean by erosion. Yeah. Uh, for those erosion who are listening for so. Sorry, I was going to say for those who are listening to the podcast later and can't uh, or don't have the benefit of seeing the question up on the screen here, uh, Dave's question was for a large garden: Would some winter wheat benefit the soil? It's like the wearing away of the upper layer of the soil. It it, it basically will like de just disappear, right? Like you, you want to keep all the uh, agents. Like uh, how can I explain it? Sorry, guys, I'm getting tired here. <laughs> um, it, it just you you lose that first layer of soil, and and you're building all that stuff. Where when you look through the layers of soil you want to make sure that you have all that nutrients and benefits all the way through. So when you plant certain plants, it helps maintain that and stabilize that. And I guess that kind of answers. Actually, Corey, you're back on now. The gentleman before asked about winter wheat. He asked if there was any benefits. And I did mention the fact about erosion because I haven't personally grown any type of wheat at all in my garden. Uh, wheat? He, like yeah, he's more specifically winter wheat. He's asking if there's any benefits of the soil with winter wheat. Well, just letting letting anything rot down and decompose in the soil is it's ultimately going to benefit the soil, one way or the other. Uh, I mean, it might not be to your benefit, but it's going to benefit the soil, right? Um, so if you're talking about winter wheat, where you sort of just leave it to rot. Uh, or you harvest it at the, the winter. It doesn't really matter all the same. Uh, you do what you got to do with it. The soil will replenish itself after a while, given if you just leave it alone. Again, sometimes less is more. So if, if you're talking about what you should be doing, if you're unsure, it's always best to take a step back, 
uh, and just observe, watch nature, see what it see what it does, right? And uh, it'll actually help you in in the greater scheme of things because it, it forces you to slow down and realize you're you're just a little a little gear in this huge machine, right? And you gotta just sort of slow down, enjoy what's around you, because you we're we're sort of losing that with all this this nonsense going on. Uh, so now that I sort of jump back into it, get the the Zen moment, the you know, ohm, right? You gotta just sort of be one with nature, and if if you're unsure, it's always best just to not read up a little bit more, uh, and then f from yourself you'll gain that knowledge, and you're gonna try, and you probably will fail, but that's how you learn, right? Period. If if you're not failing, you're not learning. It's great advice. So you have to fail. Like that's and I, I, like I, I'm not a good gardener because I know how to garden. I'm a good gardener because I've screwed up a lot. I've made so a I did do a mistakes. quick. Oh, I did do a quick Google search, and on OntarioGreenFarmers.ca, the little blurb that pops up says research has proven that adding winter wheat to corn, corn, soy, bean rotation not only increases yield, but it also Builds resilience against drought, help reduce the need for nitrogen fertilizer, and improve soil health. So again, it, it, according to the Googles, it, it does add a, a good value to the soil. So it wouldn't be a bad thing to try. Again, just like I suggested to Jeff earlier, take a sec section of your garden, plant winter wheat in there, let it go right through, let it go through the the, the flowering process and the decay decaying and till it in and you know the next like you know what i mean like Corey said experiment like i said earlier before you hopped on we're just mad scientists that just secretly experiment with everything behind the scenes well like, like for, yeah for example like my my soil might not be the same as your soil right so i can sit there and say what's going to work for me it'll be great for me it'll make my life much easier it's not going to work for you and you're just going to get frustrated and you're going to feel defeated you're going to feel like you can't do what's supposed to be done but you're not you're not fighting the same battles as i am Right. Exactly. So that, that also goes back to knowing what you're growing in, um, in, in the whole grand scheme of things. So you have to, first of all, know what you're, what you're growing in. And then from there you can start adding your amendments. And after a while, like shutting down the, the garden is going to be much easier. The garden's going to actually work with you. And the more that you learn, uh, the, the actual, the easier it's going to be. And the, the more, the more benefit you're going to get from it. Uh, whether or not it's it's actual medicinal, uh, therapeutic, spiritual, whatever the case may be, it's going to be greater in bounty. Well, I have a really yeah. big one for you both, for Corey and for Mel. And here it is, because I've seen this in a number of different places. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd trying to catch up to have like no knowledge of growing anything. And you just keyed in on it right there, Corey. How do I know whether I have a soil that is neutral, acidic, or alkaline? Is there a quick and easy way, or do I have to go through Hydrogen peroxide. Uh, yeah, there, there isn't an easy way. This is one of those things where sometimes science is your friend. Uh, there's a way where you can tell the the percentage that you have in your, like you say for your, your clay, say your silt, and your, your sand. There's a way you can actually Mason measure jar. And that's just, it's a nice, it's a simple thing. It's just a mason jar trick. It's been done for years. Posted uh, in the group chat the other day. 
all you do is you take, we'll say five sections. So you take five mason jars. And what I like to do is I like to go to the, the four corners in the middle. So wherever your garden is, go to the four corners and then go to the middle. And you want to fill up the mason jar till it's about two thirds full. Okay. Then you're going to fill the rest with water, put a lid on it, shake the crap out of it. Right now, don't lose track of where they belong, and you're going to lay them out, and you're going to put. But like, it's a great experiment for the kids too. Gets the kids into gardening, and it's something that's really neat uh, that they see after 24 hours. So you shake the bottle, you put them down, uh, and as everything settles, they all have a different density, right? So they're going to start layering themselves, and then from there, you can start to see. Oh my goodness, I got you know 40% clay. Like I got to add some some organic matter to this, and then you're going to see a, a little a little. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they say, and, and you'll be able to actually measure it out because you'll be able to, to see, and then you'll be able to to judge and grade by the other mason jars that you have, uh, if it's a constant across the board or if it's just that one section that has a lot of clay and maybe this section could be easily amended uh, because it's more of a loomy soil as opposed to over there where it's more compact and people have been sort of, you know, there was an old building there, so it's it's very compact and rocky and things of that nature. You'll never know until you get in there. But that's just a great trick. Um, but there's also things that you can do uh, with the common technologies that we have. The, 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 great, the great power that is now, uh, you can just get a, a simple test. And all you do is you, you go to any garden center, uh, Amazon, whatever the case may be, and you find those little tabs. And uh, they usually come in packs of five. So you, it's not just a, a one and done. You have a, a couple that you can do. And then you basically go to the same idea five locations and you can test that it gives you the ph uh, should give you nitrogen phosphorus potassium should give you it's if you're lucky a, a bunch of micronutrients as well uh but sadly there's no way you can just sort of go in with a spoon and look at it and be like oh no that looks good uh it, it's one of sometimes science is is your friend you can also do a peroxide test as well, where you actually take hydrogen peroxide and with water and you pour it into your soil. Yeah. That will actually show you um, how, mu how much organic matter you actually have. So the more bubbles you have, the healthier the soil, right? Mm -hmm. So it works. But um, for the people that are on the panel, when you're in the group chat, I did post that, I think, uh, the beginning of this week or last week, that whole mason jar concept. So it does break it down. I have notes if you want me to send them to you as well, Claude. But the, uh, there was one other it's thing fun. I wanted to touch on too. No, and we've got one other question. question. Yeah, we got a, yeah, we got a question in the live chat. If you guys want to go there, Whoop. so uh, snails Pat in the are. Pat the is just asking if snails are, are good for gardens. They're deferential. They can ruin a lot of things, but they do have their place in the garden, right? They do feed the birds, which sometimes birds help because birds will come and brush up against your garden and then go spread the seeds out in nature per se. But like. I try and rid my garden of all snails and slugs. I use eggshells mostly for that. Yeah. Yeah. You crush up eggshells? I crush up eggshells and then yeah. I put a circle around my pot. And so <laughs> when, the snail, when the snail crawls, the eggshells are sharp and it'll cut them. So the snails turn around and go away. What's a really <laughs> good trick with snails is stale beer. Why, Why on earth would you, you have snail beer? That? That's, that, that's, that's always been the age-old question. Right? <laughs> Why did you it, waste it, the it, beer? It's working too much. <laughs> it's harder to find stale beer. Right? <laughs> beer. Yes. That's one that's... of those things where if, if you leave a beer open, right, and then you sort of, um, you have it's a little bit skunky, a little bit flat, 
you pour that into like a, a, a jar, like a lid for, uh, you know, screws or something like that. And you leave that in, in your garden. Now that's going to send off this nice little yeasty smell. And the, the slugs love it. Uh, and then they crawl into the little vat of goodness and they get drunk and die. Now, if if well, you're that's a lot easier than the way I do, if so it's a pleasant chickens, way to go. You literally can give that food now to your chickens as a little beer-filled treat of ooey gooey goodness. It's like a little gummy bear. Protein. Do they, do they get drunk hey. too? Yeah, uh, you can try. Uh, no, no. Well, they might. You know, I've never given them enough slugs. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> so we need we need to divvy up your chickens, and we're gonna do half of them. <laughs> Are gonna get these slugs all the time and see if it pre-marinates the meat from the inside. Ooh, beer chicken. Or changes the egg. Yeah, right? That, yeah, so, you never know. <laughs> so so one of them, you get them alcohol poisoning and they die. The other one, you slice them up like they've been in a fight with who knows what. And that's how you keep them out. Just like that. I love it. Oh, You're so smart. You want to finish my course? <laughs> Did we answer that, that 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 question fully? Yeah. Sounds like you, you're just asking: Are they good or bad? Not yeah. like, and then we went on how to keep them out. So Mel, oh, Mel yeah. mentioned if they were depending on what the plant is, might be good, might be not beneficial. Um, well. A good moral of the story as well. Again, a lot of people get defeated, right? And they, they feel like, oh, I can't do this. This is eating this. And my the rabbits are in my garden. I got squirrels and I got chipmunks and I got birds. And I got all these things are against me. Just remember, deep down, okay, you got to just calm yourself. If something's not eating your garden, your garden is not part of the ecosystem. Hundred percent. All right. Absolutely good point. You need to you need to understand. You are living in their world. They are there twenty four seven. You're just in your garden when you want to relax. Okay. Like you, you're sitting there growing your garden, your food for yourself, and you can protect it all you want. But Mother Nature is going to find ways to test you while you do that. If you don't want to do that, she's not going to test you as much because you're just not going to care. Right. <laughs> but as this soon is the as other you reason. Want, yeah, as soon as you want to make okay. sure that that's yours, you have to understand wholeheartedly that it the whole ecosystem is still around you while you're in bed sleeping. That's a really good point. So and honestly, that's a take a little bit of pride in that. Uh, at least you're contributing. You, you're not you're not making it worse for them. You're uh, you're almost it's almost like a little badge of honor that they want to eat your stuff as opposed to all the stuff that's around. But you can also get away with companion planting as well, and you yep. can have your sacrificial plants that you actually just give to the slugs because they prefer that over whatever else you're growing. And I do that all the time. Pour marigolds in my garden. That is what I use them for a hundred percent. Dude, Brilliant. And and in the spirit of Corey's way of thinking, if you've got squirrels who are troubling your garden and you happen to be in a jurisdiction where it is okay to hunt those squirrels, you just might have yourself a source of protein for soup. And squirrel soup. Is and squirrel wings. Squirrel just, wings. Just squirrel on the barbecue. Food barbecue slathered with barbecue sauce. Yeah. I'm yeah. also yeah. told. Buffalo uh, maple. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the groundhog tastes very good as well. Uh, no, and the, but that's that's sort of you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a bait station <laughs> if you want to <laughs> if you want to get technical with yeah. it. Uh, but it's um, again just take take a little bit of, of pride in knowing that at least your food is healthy enough. It's got enough nutritional value in it that something in the wild uh, wants to come to your garden and wants to enjoy your food. It, it's honestly, it's uh, if you look at it that way, it makes it much more tolerable than they keep eating my food. Yeah. Before we jump to anything else, I do have a thing that uh, I want to just say out to the other thing you want to be careful about with getting the whole winter thing and all that stuff is where you're actually plowing your snow. Because if you're taking it from the road and you're shooting it to the back of your garden and the snow is melting in that, you got to remember now you're putting the road hazard crap into your garden and that's going to create another problem for you. So if you want to bring that whole concept of like zipping up the garden for the winter type thing, you want to really be very cautious on where you're throwing your snow or, or you're even the runoff from your roof, right? Because over time it collects all that air dust and whatever else that goes onto your roof, that that will drain into your garden as well. Oh, that's a good point. The one there, that I think everybody kind of thinks about. Yeah, yeah. There's a question here from, uh, from John. Yes. Now, John, uh, the three tools that I would give anybody if they were starting a garden would be probably a hoe, uh, a trowel and and either it, this this one's debatable a rake or a shovel okay can i can i uh, pick the color of the hair of the hoe though sure <laughs> made is this a made in taiwan joke <laughs> i identify the dirty blonde okay. um now what three veggies should someone start next spring that's a great question uh i always love to start with uh radishes hands down uh and get some fresh greens in there so whether or not you're doing uh like spinach lettuce with chart and yes peas uh get the things that that'll halt that'll tolerate a little bit of a frost carrots especially get them out early get them out there Cannabis. A, lot the root, yeah, a lot of the root crops can can take it they can handle that a lot of leafy greens they can take it they can handle it um they, they almost told you pierre about cold crops yes um and a, a good size to start with that's an excellent question it's a loaded question but that's an excellent question a lot of people want this this huge garden right away and that is that's not a good way to go about it because that's an, another way that you bite off more than you can chew you mm. feel really defeated uh weeds catch up with you you have no time gardening no longer is fun it becomes a chore it's like doing dishes every day and no one likes it no one fights to do dishes right no one's gonna fight to go weed dishes? the garden so start as small as you need. What, what, I, what I would say is if you have someone with a rototiller or you can rent a rototiller or even if, you, uh, if you're physically inclined, as much as you can physically do without really going overboard. So what I would say is maybe two shovels wide, six shovels long. That's a great garden to start. And then you can actually plant a couple seeds, see where you go plant what you like that's the other thing too um if you're planting things that yes. no one's gonna eat if you're planting things that you're just growing uh because you know like oh the, the seeds are easy you're not gonna care about it you're not gonna you're it's just gonna go to the wayside who cares but if you're growing things that you enjoy eating like cucumbers tomatoes uh my my personal favorite is watermelon i love growing watermelon um 
so if you're growing things that you love to grow, your garden will stay more interesting to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I was gonna say, even and you more got more than that. Things, is to pick three things you're actually gonna eat. Yeah, and Good on point. top of that, too, you gotta remember, right? This is where that hippie side of all of us gardeners come in. You do have a spiritual attachment to your garden because you are putting that energy, that time, that focus into growing something that's not only gonna feed your body, your physical body, but it's gonna feed that essence of who you are as well. Because it is the fruits of your labor. It is, uh, you know, you're, you're like. It, you're doing something magical, if you will. This so is Corey's no right. Yeah. You... I, yeah. I I talk down to my eggplant all the time. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I I plant. Eggplant. I remember him saying this. I plant eggplant just so I can talk down to it, just so I can say you suck. <laughs> I I hate you. I don't like you. Now and then and then I'll turn to the tomatoes, and I'll say, you see that? Don't be like them. Don't be like, you can be better than that. Don't be like them. I have so much pride. I have so much faith in what you can do. Don't be like eggplant. Right? And you'd be amazed. No, you laugh all you want. I love it. You're, you'd be amazed at, at how cathartic it actually is to take your rage out on produce. Right? And you I, leave I, it I all in the garden, man. Blood, sweat, and You tears. just have to do it at home, right? Not in the store. Uh, you beat me you to it, Brad. <laughs> oh, no. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be... Corey, you're videotaping yeah. that, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, here I was. Six o'clock yeah, news tomorrow. Again. Brad's kicked out of the grocery store for screaming at the eggplants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, holding that, a can we'll opener. Uh, holding the can opener and praising the tomatoes. All oh, the can tomatoes yeah. he's holding. Yeah. Wow. Here, I thought you were telling us your, your livelihood of uh, going to the urinal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of things you can do to close up the garden, like like talk smack to your eggplants. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's awesome. And they'll give you good fertilizer next year. The good thing is with the garden is you want to remember the Harlem scenes is where you want to go because you want to be able to take your plants and then put them into flower to collect the seeds. Because the whole point of having a garden is to complete that cycle. And it, for it to be able to complete that cycle, well, you want to be able to grow your crops again. So the Harlem seeds is where it is. Sometimes they're more expensive. Sometimes they're a little harder to find. But in all honesty, if you can, get them. Try and stay away from like the good old seed companies you find in the dollar store or whatever. Because they have a lot of coatings and, you know, they're GMO'd. So, you know, just go to your local, like, sometimes the Amish have it. Um, I don't remember what seed company, I, uh, I don't remember the seed companies I ordered off the top of my head, but, like, they're all Harlem style. I think they come from BC, to be honest, which I should actually try more, focus more locally, because, again, native plants locally, I'm not putting in something that could be invasive, where everybody now in my town is, like, having a plant invasion. So let's, let's expand it, on that real quickly because I know that's something that comes up all the time. The the Harlem seeds versus something that you buy at like the dollar store or something that's GMO. Why can you not replant the ones or get seeds from the, the, the dollar store ones or the non-Harlem ones or Harlem or however you pronounce it? I know that's a question that a lot of people have. Yeah, well the see that's the that's the funny thing when they go with definitions of heirloom variety. Um now it's it's Basically, anything over 50 years now, they can call an heirloom. Yeah. All right. So it doesn't matter if it's been 
tweaked with, played with, modified. It could be uh, like corn, for example, was one of the first seeds ever to be actually, you know, uh, messed around with. And that all of this, like the whole the whole GMO talk and things of that nature, um, it, it was literally designed to to stop world hunger. It was designed to give people food that couldn't grow crops where they needed to grow crops. Uh, but somehow or another, greed got in the way, and now we're wasting more food than we're actually eating. So it's a it's a really weird quandary, and and it's a, it's an interesting thing. But the the idea that you know you the old seeds are still there, you can still find them. Uh, now you're not going to have nice looking plants; they're going to be ugly. Like that's the that's the whole. Idea. I learned that not the to cut you off, but I learned that the older they are. Not to cut Corey off, but like I thought he was bullshitting when he first said that, and when I started to actually take my studies seriously and get into the university and all that stuff I'm doing now, I thought he was full of shit. But then when I actually went to visit him at work, and he took us through some of the stuff, I'm like, holy crap! I actually noticed that. Yeah, they're not pretty. They don't look what you think they would. They're not as colorful or as big or anything like that. But however, take a bite out of the damn thing, complete different taste. You'll never taste something so much more fresher and like true to taste in my it, opinion anyways it's earthy no no they're, they're, you're right because it, it's a it's a more meaty earthy taste and yeah but that's just a good rule of thumb is the uglier it is the older it is this idea of the picturesque <laughs> nice round red tomato uh you know that everyone just slices neatly and puts on their sandwich and you know there's a nice little slab of mayonnaise that's great but the amount of produce they throw out to get that perfectly round red tomato is remarkable oh, yeah. if there's thousands a, and thousands a light versus... nick a bruise you're not seeing it in the store because it's not even making no. it onto the truck no right now they didn't even make garden, it to the processing plant exactly no they but they do the but they do have it out. Yeah, or some either they put give it back to the soil, like you said, or whatever. But they, there's actually organizations that are out there that will take these imperfection fruits from those factories and actually will give it to like food banks or um, I think they I forget what the other place did do it. So, but most of they give them off to other people that want them and, and use them and eat them because you know they're not going anywhere. They're just gonna go to shit. Well, no, they, they some get used for sauces and and all these other things like that. But the 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 amount that you or I would not see a problem with bringing into your house, slicing off a bit of the side just because there's a bit of a bruise on it or whatever, uh, and then you know eat that. That wouldn't even that would that would be done. And that's that's the yeah, but you can't do that thing. in a restaurant, right? No, no, everything's got to <laughs> so be perfect. That's where it goes. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, put yourself in the point of view of a customer. Oh, where, absolutely. You know, like, what, why am I going to pay the same price for a perfectly good thing? Or I, I need to cut a, you know a, an eighth of my tomato off because it's got a bruise. Well, no, I but it's like being on snap. It's like being on Snapchat, taking one of those fancy ass pictures, and then someone meets in real life. No, yeah, I, I, be on Snapchat. I completely understand what you're saying. Was well, why would yeah. I pay for a piece of shit? Yeah, or, or or put that on the discount aisle where I'm right. willing to be like, yeah, I'll cut that right. But, no. but it's just like so. I see why because. You know that's too good for most people, and I I have an issue saying like, I can pay a dollar for this tomato. It's nice. It's big. It's perfect. I can cut. I can make nine sandwiches with it, or I can take this one and I gotta cut a section off, and I can only make seven and a half sandwiches, and they're the same price. That's fantastic. Now let me ask you one question. Yeah. What happens when that store's not there anymore? 
Ah. I know where you live. He can't be pretty anymore. It doesn't matter what the tomato looks like. If the store is not there for you to buy that pretty tomato, you're going to eat whatever tomato is there. Yeah. And that's the deciding factor. But but again, think like that. No, no, I bet that's what I mean. Greed gets in the way, and you, yeah. it, it's, it's the creature comforts where, you know, oh, I'm just going to go to the store. I'm going to get a nice tomato. It, they don't even know where it's been. Yeah. They don't know have how to long say it's that. been taken to get there, right? I, so that's I, the other I, thing, too, is is taking back control. This is the only thing left, in, in my estimation, that's free to do. As a free person, I can put a shovel in my ground. I can till up the soil. I can put a seed in the ground that I can get for free from a friend. I can trade and barter my services. The forest. I could plant those seeds and then I get food tax-free. No one can touch it. I don't think there's anything else out there that doesn't cost money. Technically, you're paying taxes for the land. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Right, right, right. All right. But you're paying taxes for that land and going to the grocery store. Yeah, no, so that's, and, that's and the whole idea. There, like, yeah. like, if you're going fishing, you need a license to fish. You're going hunting, you need a license to hunt. I don't need a license to garden yet. Yet. That's too loud on the internet. Exactly. So I don't, I, and as soon as that happens, I, I'm, I'm not a big guy to, you know, start rattling cages and stuff. As soon as there's a, a law that says I need a license to garden, oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So, so you need to get any idea. What's that? Do you need help to rattle that cage? Oh, no, 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 no. Once they figure out a way to tax it, they're they're gonna. Start the witch trials again. I see how it's going. Oh, boy. (laughs) We are going down a rabbit hole. Grow this plant. Don't give them any ideas. (laughs) So, you know, like it comes. Oh. Go ahead, Pierre. Okay. Um, so you said anything past fifty years is heirloom. Yeah, that's that's basically the, the the benchmark now is where they can start classifying those seeds as. So it's not it's not everything is right because what, yeah. what our our definition of heirloom variety is, you know, eighteen hundred stuff. So so does that make yes. Jeff and Frugal heirloom? A lot of the stuff now that they can claim is heirloom is literally just fifty years old. So it's all it's all in the wordplay, and now because everyone's gobbling up that that heirloom word, right? The heritage variety yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, the it's just changing the name, checking the box. Yeah. So I it was I misunderstood that heirloom was a if you bought heirloom tomatoes, yep. you could harvest those seeds and replant them compared to other ones. Like that's what I thought the distinction between regular and weren't. That's what it, I thought. It is. It is in some. It is in some ways because some of the other seeds have that coating on it, and if it has a coating, it's been GMO'd. So sometimes, so I'm going to say not say but most time that I planted replanted seeds from those seeds, they don't grow or they don't grow as well. It's the hybrids. If you get a hybrid, they they are not successful. Now, if if you get other plants, um, some of them might have been tweaked, but seeds want to grow, right? Uh, who was it? Per- Professor Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Life finds a way, right? It finds a way. And sometimes these, no, like these, these seeds want to grow. They don't want to die. Uh, but if you have a hybrid, it's actually been sort of modified enough that it, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a hermaphrodite anyway. It's not going to grow. Okay. Uh, you know, this is actually a good, oh, 
Go ahead. Sorry, I thought you were done. No, I'm never done. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, now that we're actually touching on seeds, that actually falls under like like what we're talking about in the podcast too tonight, like seed storage for the winter. Because yep. you don't want to have at certain temperatures and certain places either. That's very true. You want a nice, cool, dark area. Now, not freezing, but you yes, want a bit of I said yes, sir. Yes, it's green. No, so you want a nice, a nice, cool, dark area somewhere where it won't get uh, moldy, won't get uh, you know, freezing. You, I mean, freezing is okay, but like you want to talk about maybe uh, three, four, five degrees. So in a nice basement, in a corner somewhere, under a staircase somewhere where it's not really well insulated in your house, right? Uh, if you have cold storage, something like that, where it stays nice and chilled. Uh, frost will kill it, so try not to let it get too cold. But, uh, but be the, careful the, with, be careful the, of the cold germination too, because that yes. could also germinate your seeds. Because there is some seeds out there that cold germination will actually activate the growth process. And you'll go back. There's these little green sprouts and things, and it it's it's a neat little because you have there's no sunlight, but again, they want to grow, right? There's no stopping them if if they want to, they're gonna. Uh, but absolutely, there are many different ways. But you want to keep your your seeds somewhere cool, somewhere dark. Uh, and that'll expand the, 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 the life of them dramatically. Uh, now, seeds themselves, as long as you keep them out of sunlight and you don't keep them in, a, in an area that's always 20 degrees, they'll be pretty good for, oh, you know, God. three to five years, depending on the seed, right? Depending on the seed. Uh, now, if you keep them somewhere where it's hot all the time, it's going to degrade the seed rapidly. Uh, if you keep them, yes. you know, somewhere or in the dry. sun, same idea. So cool and dark is, is your friend when it comes to uh, saving your seeds. Okay, um, so say you don't have a cool, dark spot in your house. Um, is in a container that you kind of blacked out in the bottom of your fridge that never gets crazy cold, but in that drawer in the bottom that yeah. only gets like when it opens, is that I like would a even good say alternative? Just, well, I wouldn't say that the Look what happens to cannabis seeds. In your fridge. Yeah. Well, that and look what happens to cannabis yeah, no, seeds I when would, I put them in the fridge. I would just say honestly, throw them in a, a if you have a little Tupperware, right? Just a little Rubbermaid Tupperware. Put a lid on it because they're all going to be dried anyway, and they'll all be stored up. Uh, that's a whole other, whole other thing, uh, seed saving and preserving. Um, but once you get them into that that process where they're they're dried and they're cured, uh, all the moisture that you need is taken out of them. You can literally put a lid on it, toss it under your bed. Right, toss it somewhere where the where it's not like the heat rises naturally. So the the lower you can go, the better. If you have a basement, fantastic. If not, in a shelf in your closet, uh, somewhere where it's just out of the way, it's going to be out of your uh, out of your hair, and then you can come back in the spring and grab it. Okay. Another good thing too, like you can get them from the dollar store. You can either put cassette tapes in them. Or sometimes you can put bracelet stuff or bead stuff. Sometimes you can get the can, those little, or, or even fishing lures. I know I'm the only girl on here. So like fishing lure containers. You can even have it too where you can get them adjustable where you can put them all in that. As long as you're not keeping them in a very moist, heated area, like Corey was saying, you're not going to create the moisture, which may activate and germinate your seeds within the container. And it keeps them nice and organized and they're not getting bumped around and crushed and everything else. Because if you crush your seeds, you're, you're, it's not going to work either. Yeah, and the nice thing about the dollar store is you can go buy dime bags for your seeds and then you can write on them like they actually have them there so like you know your pepper stuff or whatever and then you can put that in the container or that that tackle box and 
you know, write it with the Sharpie, something that's not going to erase. So yeah, you can buy the little Ziplocs at the dollar store in the craft section. And you'd be surprised how many seeds can fit in a little, uh, I mean, take a sandwich Ziploc, how many pepper seeds do you think you can put in one of those? Challenge accepted. More than enough. You wouldn't get through them all. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, so yeah, seeds are so small that I'm like, they take next to nothing to store and very easy to, you know, keep uh, straight as long as you write everything and close the bag properly. Huh, I like it. Well, we're getting into about an hour and a half. Is there any kind of final thoughts or final tips and tricks that you guys would uh, make want to make sure the listeners are aware of? Honestly, get out there and experiment. Take some yeah. of the, the suggestions that you've seen on, the, on, on, on tonight's podcast and just get out and experiment. You know, you don't have to go and make yourself, like Corey said, a big Victorian garden and, make, and be like a complete rock star for it. Start small. Go slow, start small, and start building from there. Gain your knowledge. But don't be scared to screw up. Heck, I can do it every year. There's one thing I absolutely fit. Oh, pumpkins? Like Corey's watermelon pumpkin, you know, master where I always get mildew every year. Yeah. So, I mean, just get out there and experiment. And then even when you have those issues, start looking into how can I fix those and learn how to do without you may kill your plant but you're still feeding your soil in some ways too as long as you're not using harsh chemicals which then all falls into the whole getting prepared for winter again and starting the cycle all over again yeah. just i like it grow enough to make yourself yeah. two, two pasta sauces next year try it out see if it's better see, than that, that that's that, a fantastic that goal. yeah just something that's better than that's you can buy at the store. i like it it's almost like practice and fail now while well, times are good and you've got the grocery store as a backup. So if that, that grocery store is that not is exactly there, yeah. you've got it all figured yes. out. I like yeah. it. And that's, that's what people should be understanding is right now is the time to practice, to make these mistakes. Because uh, when it happens, it's going to be so fast. Uh, no one's really going to be able to grab it. And then all of a sudden when the rubber hits the road, you're going to need to, you know, to, to, do it and uh if you do have a catastrophic failure or there is an infestation of xyz whatever bug is your personal choice this week uh it's, it's going to be detrimental to not only you but the people that are counting on you it also takes away from your ability to trade barter uh it takes away your buying power so it's always nice now like you said while times are good practice practice get your hands in the dirt there's worse things you could be doing. It's true. Great message. 100%. Like it. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll end things there. We'll move into the podcast challenge. And uh, thanks to uh, Corey and Mel for you know taking some time to share your knowledge and wisdom with us because it's going to go a long way for a lot of people, even just based on the live chat tonight. It's uh, it's always a popular topic, so yeah. do appreciate well, it. Thank you for having food. us. Yeah, I I thank you for having me back um and yeah it's it's one of those things anytime you can share how to feed people or have more ways to feed people it's you know again food is food everyone should have it there shouldn't be a debate about it 100 percent. 100 percent. bravo all right let's move into the podcast challenge then so the podcast challenge for this episode is get your garden ready for next year take everything you've just learned and apply it also while you're at it grab some seeds you're going to need them for next year. Roger that. 100%. All right, Jeff, you got a weather blurb. Yeah, just a little bit. So 
even though it is late October, there is a new hurricane that's formed in the Atlantic. Uh, Hurricane Tammy at this point, uh, the only threat to land appears to possibly be Bermuda, where it will be a tropical storm by the time it gets there. Um, with the ocean temperatures being as warm as they are, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple more pop up. Um, having said that, though, temperatures are starting to cool in and around uh, Canada and even some spots into the States. Uh, there were some snowflakes that appeared around today. So be prepared for the changing weather and the changing road conditions. Uh, I would suggest it's time to at least start thinking about uh, making changing your tires and putting your winter tires on before the first snowfall hits and there's the mad rush. Um, a good number is uh, once temperatures get, daytime temperatures get below plus seven, um, your all season, which are really not all season, only three season tires, uh, the compound starts to get hard, you lose traction. Uh, so it's much better to go to a uh, true winter tire. Uh, there have been uh, several small earthquakes in and around BC and Washington state over the last couple of weeks. The largest was actually a 4.9 on Vancouver Island on October the 16th. So I'm not really reading a lot into that. There's always rumbles and stuff going on up and down the fault line from basically California all the way up the West Coast. But there has been a little bit of increase in activity. So just something to be aware of. I bet somebody just gave Ian a life straw so he got mad and stomped the ground. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> who, who, who's Ian? I don't know. I just made that name up. I thought it was funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the part-timer. Right. Move into the, uh, the deal of the week. And Mel, you've got something here? Yeah, I actually, for the topic tonight, where did it go now? I just closed it. I found a green, uh, green polytarp from hard, home hardware for nine forty seven. So if you need anything to get tarped up, including air conditioners, it's a good deal. I forget. I didn't even type down what size it was, though. That's my green, bad. Green polytarp is perfectly <laughs> fine. If you want to figure out the size. It's not blue, it's but it's, it's up to you. Yeah, it's not blue. It it's not blue, but it's green. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, I'll bring episode number 219 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It does help other people find us. We do record these shows live on YouTube, Facebook, if you must. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast and click the notifications tab. That gives you alerts when we're going live. You can find me on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Instagram, and CPP Discord. And if you're looking to reach out to me, I'm not responsible enough to have my own email. So it's feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or I am frequently on the Discord. Pierre. Yeah, so I, I was, I'm not even allowed to use the feedback one to get in touch with me. Um, so you'd have to reach me uh, personally, I guess, on the Discord. I am on there, but I haven't opened it. And there's too many notifications, and I get, I just closed it. Um, off the wall customizing pretty much on everything, or on Monday nights, you can find me on the other CPP, the Patriot Podcast, where we get way more into uh, white communism. Like the beginning of the show and all that uh, where we critique the government. 
And, well, I was going to say you could find me, like, through him since he's going to, like, you know, scan all my emails and stuff. So, <laughs> but you can just email me at offthewallcustomizing at gmail.com as well if you have any questions or shirt, T-shirt needs or engraving needs. Awesome. Corey. Check me out. Uh, I believe it's just on Facebook, CC Squared Back to Basics Gardening. Other than that, I'm usually in my little hobbit hole in the back. Awesome. <laughs> All right. You can uh, check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com and get me there on the live chat, or you can flip me an email at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>